It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. And by the way, some of you know this, I'm going to Africa. I've been going for over 10 years to Africa every year and doing numerous ministries. I lift up leaders, we plant churches, we put in clean water. Uh, I haven't said a whole lot about this. I didn't think I'd be here in July, so no use talking about it. But I want to tell you, just the little that I've mentioned it, one of you, one of the families in the church has, has sponsored a well, a well. And so when I go there this July, and two of you are going with me, by the way, a young lady, a college-age student, and her dad, which is way cool, a Mountain View couple, are going with me with the team. And we're going to, I'm, I'm trying to set this up, so by the time we get there, we have drilled a well in Malawi, and that we will be able to dedicate that well as the Mountain View Church of the Nazarene Well. And I want to tell you about these wells. It's not just about water. I've watched women with their little girls this small, this way, sometimes this height, with a baby on their back, carrying four to five gallons of water on their head. They're having to walk two or three hours sometimes just to get clean water. And the first village we put a well in, Chiimba Village, in, outside, of, outside of the long way, the, the state capital, you got to drive 45 minutes just in the mud and the dirt to get there and then walk on a path. It's out there. No electricity, no running water. Six children died the year before we put a well in that church. Six children died. I saw their, their well is about this big. It's a dirty, muddy hole. And God laid it on my heart. I began to weep. And I said, God, we can do something. And I went back to my church and we put a well there. Not one child has died since and that was 10 years ago. Guess what else? The women who have to walk through the jungles and through the villages and in dangerous areas, they are molested, they are beaten up, and they're raped. The women and the children. Guess what? No woman in that village has been molested or raped since we put that well in. Guess why? They don't have to walk two or three hours. So you solve a world of problems, church, when you put a well in in Jesus' name. So thank you. And by the way, I got a message this week that the men's ministries of this church have donated another $3,000 for another well. So if you want to match that, go ahead. I'm not trying to promote this. I'm just saying, God bless you. You're a giving church. And I thank you, I thank God, because you care about other people. It's pretty, pretty cool. Well, now let's turn to the Word of God. And uh, I want to talk to you get a little bit about who, who we are. Do you realize who you are? Let's put that up on the screen. Do you realize? I just want to put those words up there. Because you see, when God made you, he threw away the mold. And there's no one like you in the entire world. There's only one of you. You are made in a very unique way. All of us are. I have a twin brother. He and I are, well, people ask me all my lives, you guys paternal or fraternal? I really don't know to this day, and I really don't care. <laughs> the reality is we look enough alike that they still, people still confuse us. If I go to this, this general assembly, he'll call, the people will call me Dr. John. They'll, he'll go and they'll call him Dr. Les. They get us mixed up, even to this day. He's taller, but I'm better looking. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't help that. 
But the reality is we're twins and God's made us all different. This young lady down here has twin children herself. We're all different. It doesn't matter. Triplets, it doesn't matter who you are. Have you ever heard about the Octomom? Octomom? Well, if you haven't, Google it up. All right. I've seen her back on the news again. I'll guarantee you every single one of her children are different. You know why? Because God has made us uniquely. Now, there's a scripture that deals with this in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament scripture. And it's in the Psalms. And, and so I'm going to invite your attention to turn to the Psalms and go to Psalm 139. We read this last week. I want to read a couple verses of it again. So would you stand as we read this together in the honor of God's word? Now, catch these, catch these two verses. Well, let's read three of them. Here we go. They're all about us. And the psalmist knew this, and so he's writing to God. He, he's writing a letter to God about how he feels, about how he is made. Have you ever done that? Try it. Go home today, today and say, dear God, I want to thank you. And, and just articulate what you, what you feel. That's what this guy's doing. It's a psalm of David. God, you created my inmost being. I love the way he puts this. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Wow. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's the hand of God. His DNA, I said last week, is all over you. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame, it wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. You know where the secret place is. It's a womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. In other words, the foundations of the earth. God's moving some stuff when he made you. Oh, he says, I was woven together and your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me, they were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knew you before you were born. Amen. He knew you before you were a cell. His hand was on you when you were a fetus. His life and his breath was going through you when you were in your mother's womb. And David articulates all that so well, even though he didn't have any scientific knowledge. But he knew God. Amen. And he knew himself. And he said, God, I, I, don't, I don't get this, but when you, when you made man the crowning point of creation, you'd done something that was unique. And my friend, that's you today. You are special to God. And all of those billions of people in the world today, he knows you. He knew you before you are born, and he knows you today right where you stand. And guess what? He loves you more than anything in the world. And that's the thing I love about God, our Heavenly Father. Now, Lord, um, we got some things to talk about. Help us this morning, Lord, to enjoy. Help us to laugh a little. Um, help us to learn some. God, help us to connect with you in a powerful way. Remind us, Lord, you know each and every one of us by name. You know the very hairs that are on our head. And Lord, we, we know that's a lot easier for some of us than others. But Lord, you know us well. You know what makes us tick. You know our personalities. You know our quirks.
You know our strengths and our weaknesses. And Lord, you love us like a son and a daughter so much that you gave your own son to die on a cross for us. Oh God, you know us. And you accept us. And there's not one thing we can do to make you love us anymore. And by the way, God, I know you. there's nothing we can do to make you love us any less. You love us regardless. So, Lord, I pray this morning as we talk about this, that every person here will feel the love of God in their life and know that they are special to you. So, Lord, hide the messenger behind the cross that we would see Jesus today and your hand of work in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, are you all smiling? Are you all smiling this morning? I hope you're smiling, because I'm smiling. You remember my, my favorite theologian, right? W.C. Fields, right? What did he say? Smile once in the morning, get it over with, right? So smile, get it over with. All right. So um, last Sunday, we, we started talking about this a little bit, and... Uh, let me just kind of remind you a couple of things we, we talked about. A little bit of review. Um, because every one of us are unique and uniquely made, we're different. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out who we are. How did God make me is the question. I have to ask that question as a leader. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How am I different than other people? What can I contribute? What do I have to give? I remember when I was a pastor in Eugene, had a wonderful staff. We had a lot of time where we, we talked to each other about one another. And one day I asked them, I said, I want you to go around the table today and I want everyone to just talk about what do you think your one contribution is to the team? What's your contribution? And it was a wonderful enlightening time for me to listen to the staff talk about what they think they bring to the table. And I'll guarantee you what they brought to the table was totally unique to the others. It's a wonderful time of bringing us together and bringing stronger. The, the, the reality is not all of us understand who we are. I've done personality assessments for years with church boards and leaders. I have found that some people who, even though they're 50, 60, 65, 70 years of age, they think they're one thing when really they're another. Had a wonderful, wonderful friend, lady. She was one of Linda's best friends in Eugene. Everybody loved her. She was a little tiny gal. She walked miles every day. I called her the Energizer Bunny because she could outwalk anybody. They would power walk for three or four hours, uh, I mean three or four miles in, in, in a day. And, and nobody could keep up with this little, little gal. She was a great gal. One time when I went to Australia, I took about 20 people, and I had her and another lady lead the team. I said, I want you gals to lead because she's a very strong leader. She's dominant. She's organized. She's large and in charge. She can take the bull by the horns. She knows how to make decisions. I said, I want you to be the leader. She said, yes. When we did the board assessment, everybody went around and talked about who they were. They took the assessment, put it to the person next to them, and we asked who we were. She thought she was a very peaceful, phlegmatic person. Well, she wasn't. She was anything but. My wife would go on a walk with her, and they would come to a Y, and the two ladies that were dominant, her being one of them, would start to fight which way to go. That's shorter. No, that's the way to go. That, my wife, who's phlegmatic and likes to keep the peace, she and the other woman just kind of sneak away and go their own way. You understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes we don't know who we are. And when she, dodged, when she articulated herself as being peaceful... Sanguine, everybody goes, well, you're sanguine, but peaceful, you're not. 
And we all had a good laugh. It was a good laugh. And we had a good time understanding who we were. Uh, Go back with me to the beginning, 350 years before Jesus walked on the face of the earth. So that's a long time ago, 350 years, right? There's a guy by the name of Hippocrates. He was a Greek physician. And he's the guy that came up with what's held now for hundreds and thousands of years as the, 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 the way to look at human personality. How do we look at it? How do we understand it? And to this day, um, people who study and talk about how we are made, they go back and they, their models will fall back onto what he did. And that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. A little bit more in depth than we did last week, because when you walk out of here, the goal is I want you to see who you are and how you contribute. I want you to see your strengths and weaknesses. It's a good exercise for all of us. How many of you ever had, uh, let's say, uh, Myers-Briggs assessment? Anybody do Myers? Oh, a bunch of them, a bunch of them. How about Taylor Johnson? Anybody ever do Taylor Johnson? Uh, how about the CDI thing? Uh, uh, Pastor Ryan, what's the one you did? Strengths Finder. Okay, how many have done Strengths Finder? Okay, a, lot. a ton of you have done Strengths Finder. So these are all assessments that try to help us understand who we are. Um, and they all go back to Hippocrates. If you look at their pieces, how they're put together. Now this morning, I'm going to give you Hippocrates' classic name again. I'm going to give you the dominant trait. And you're going to ask yourself, who am I? What's my dominant trait? And then I'm going to give you a sheet of paper when I'm ready. I haven't given it to you because I know some of you birds, and if you looked at it, you wouldn't even have been singing. Uh, you, you wouldn't be listening to me. You've been reading through the, the, the information. I'm going to give this to you, and we're going to wade through it a little bit. How much time do I got? Let's see, it's 43, 43 after. I'm not doing so good this morning. Um, all right, Lord, uh, help me to get this done uh, before uh, 1230. <laughs> So let's see. Let me go over to the basics. There are four primary, four primary personality traits. Four of them. There are only four. I don't where where you go in the world. You can, I've taught this all over the in many different areas in the world. In Africa, in Peru, in South America, in uh, Argentina, and and we're all made the same. Doesn't matter the language you speak, the culture you come from. We're all pretty much the same. Four prominent ones. Okay. All four are good. Never feel bad about the way God made you because, okay, you finish the statement. I'll, I'll start it. God don't make no, God don't make no junk. So um, everything he made was good. And he saw it and he said, it is good. Amen. So they're all good. Uh, they're all different. And they're kind of fun. Um, you will have a dominant trait and you will have a subordinate trait. A complementary one. One will be dominant. Now, I need to clarify, because last week, as we walked out of here, some of you were saying, well, I'm kind of all four. And, and the reality is, you might have tinges of all four, but you'll still have a dominant one and a subordinate one. On each one, there's a scale between one and ten, ten being high. You might be, your dominant might be a six. And the person next to you, their dominant might be a ten. When, when, I, when I was married, when I got married, I was a dominant 10 in choleric. Large and in charge and in control. Remember, that's the number one. I, I was too high choleric. Remember my sheriff buddy who asked me, do you know how strong of a personality you have? And I said, I don't have a per- strong personality. And he asked me immediately, have you asked anybody lately? You see, I didn't know how strong I was. 
And all my life I've had to work on bringing my choleric down. Because choleric men can run over people. You just know what I'm talking about? And as a pastor, I don't want to run over people. I want to help people. I'm task-oriented. So it's easy for me to see the task, make a decision, and go on. Ask me what color car I want. What color car do you want, Pastor? Well, first of all, I don't want a car. I want a truck. What color do you want? I don't care what color it is, as long as it's black. (laughs) Now, if I was phlegmatic, I don't care what car I have. I don't care what color it is. If you're sanguine, you remember what happened to Mary... She's got this flashy purse. She said it wasn't even flashy. Flashy. Mary doesn't know how flashy her purse is. By the way, she told me she still loves me after last week. After I rummaged through her purse. (laughs) You gotta love Mary. She is one sweet gal. Talking about a worker who gives her life for the church. She's one of them right there. So let's see. They're all good. You got a dominant and subordinate. So let's go over them, okay? Um, I'm gonna give you the, the four real quick. Not on the screen, but just watch me. The choleric is control. This person's dominant trait is control. They have to be in charge of life. They're large and in charge. The second is sanguine. That person is fun. They're often um, a colorful person. Oh, we got them up here. All right, but I'm glad you have that, but I'm going to tell you this one's wrong. I mean, I'm going to... We're going to mix it up a little bit. We're not going to use this forever. But all right, here we go. So there's the sanguine down here on the bottom left. Social, outgoing, charismatic, fun-loving impulse. And I said last week, you can always tell a sanguine female. She'll have a large person. Usually it's colorful. She's normally loud like all sanguines are. I'm partly sanguine, so therefore count me in. The melancholy over to the right is, well, they're detailed. They're thoughtful. They're organized. Everything has a place. So order is their predominant trait. Orderly. How many have all of your clothes lined up in the closet in order? All the shirts are hanging the same way. All right. Are you, are you far enough that you got all the colors together? The blues? Okay. So, so we're talking on a scale of one to ten. We got tens right down here. And, and I'm glad there's confession going on in the house of God now. So these ladies are melancholy. They're very orderly. And wherever they go in life... Order is important, and when life is not orderly, it ceases to be significant. Does that make sense? The person who is sanguine has to have fun. They're a fun-loving person. You'll notice the animal is the otter, because the otter is fun. So people have assigned colors. They've assigned animals to these, just to kind of give you an idea how they, how they put together. So you've got all your clothes in order. If you open your drawers, the socks are all neatly folded. Do not throw something in in the wrong order, or you'll get in trouble. All right? It's the truth. Then you go to the phlegmatic person. This is the person who doesn't like conflict at all. Now, if you're a high phlegmatic, like my wife was when we married, she, what, 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 who do people marry? People marry opposites attract. So I'm high choleric in control. My wife is high phlegmatic peaceful. One thing she liked about me when I asked her 40 years after we were married, what did you like about me? About a time I found out, right? She said, well, you didn't have a hard time deciding what to do. You, you just knew where to go, and you, it wasn't hard for you to make a decision. That's a choleric. Phlegmatics, you say where you want to go to eat. I don't know. What do you feel like eating? I don't know. You get to the restaurant. Uh, what are you going to have? I don't know. The chlor goes, I know what I'm going to have. Well, the, the phlegmatic goes, you know, I think I'll have the spinach special today. 
The Calera goes, well, no, I think I'll have the uh, hamburger, fries, and Coke. The phlegmatic says, well, I think I'll have that too. The phlegmatic can't make up your mind. You want to buy the house or you don't? You want to buy the car or you don't? What color do you want? You... The choleric guy has no problem with that. How many of you cholerics out there identify what I'm talking about, huh? Come on, yeah, you know. You just, it's easy to make decisions. Don't waste time, get her done, right? Okay. Now, um, so you are either a person who likes to have control in life. Or you're a person who is sanguine, you like to have fun. That's your dominant. Or you're melancholy, you like to have order. Or thirdly, you're phlegmatic, you have to have peace. If there's conflict, you turn tail and run. Okay? One more clarification, then I'm going to give you something. So, Pastor Ryan, we're about ready, right? So, before we do, let me say this. Um, you might be a phlegmatic female, let's say. But now you've got to go to work, and your work is you are a school teacher, and you have fifth and sixth graders, which includes boys. Woohoo! Woohoo! You don't like conflict, but you better get ready. So when you're at work, you slip into a little bit more of a choleric mode. You see what I'm saying? Because if you don't, you lose control. Uh, let's apply this to motherhood. Uh, Let's say you're a phlegmatic mother, and you're high phlegmatic, but you have a choleric son. Well, you know, when you're two or three, well, wait a minute, one or two, no, maybe one, you'll be okay. When you hit the terrible twos, you better ante up. Because if you don't like conflict, you're going to be running. Wait till dad gets home, he's choleric, right? Or wait till they get to be a teenager. I've had two mothers this last week say to me, what do I do with my son? Was your son like this? <laughs> Honey, if you only knew, mom would not even answer the phone at home. The principal called and left a message. I think you need to call him, honey. Okay. See what I'm saying? As you go through life, whether you're married, whether you have children, at work, at the church, if you understand who people are and how God made them, it's a little easier to work together. Look, I've met a couple of you who are choleric, strongly choleric. I'm choleric. If we're not careful, we do this. Amen? And as a pastor, I need to be careful how I deal with choleric men. Because if I'm not careful, we're going to do this. But if I'm going to follow the scripture, I'm going to prefer him in love. You see what I'm saying? You can apply this in a lot of different ways. Let's say that you're a man and you are you are melancholy choleric. So you're, you're orderly, but you're going to be in control. And your son is sanguine. In other words, all he likes to do is have fun. He doesn't know about order. Are you with me? So now you can squash your son if you're not careful. My dad often said to me many times, Son, don't squash his spirit. Don't squash his spirit. My dad recognized me as an in-control man who had a son who was sanguine. And my dad understood, even though he might not know all this, he understand human temperament enough that if I'm not careful with my son, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt him. woo Come on, guys. Come on, dads. Yeah. Okay, so Pastor Ryan, let's hand this thing out. I'm going to try to get the, wrap this up in just a few minutes. And... Um, we have your workers here. I think let's get them going fast, as fast as you can. 
We're going we're gonna to whip these out. Give me one, please, if you would. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to suggest to you that you take this sheet of paper, and then this here, you're going to notice immediately it's going the wrong way. It's, it's, it's the wrong way. Now, how can I say that? Well, because I'm in control. I'm the, I'm the boss here, right? So, <laughs> in fact, like I've told you, I think, because I'm choleric, I'm in control, and I'm sanguine, I like to have fun. The way that pans out is, I'm going to tell you we're going to have fun, and then I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. See, that's what a cleric does. All right. So you'll notice on this sheet here, and there ought to be at least one per family, if not one per person. Um, follow me closely. You'll notice that it's not similar to this one in the order. And the reason being is because the order is important. So... If you have your sheets, I'm going to go through this kind of slow. Let's look at the top left one. First of all, the color should be red. Because if you're choleric and you're in control, that creates conflict in itself, does it not? Okay. So the color is red. You'll notice on the right to that is sanguine. Sanguine is yellow because it's fun. That's the, pri- that's the dominant trait. It's fun. You'll notice the animals. The cleric is a lion, and the, and, and the sanguine is an otter. Does that make sense to you? So he's kind of fun. The bottom left is blue. Blue is the color for, for melancholy. Um, you'll notice the animal on the bottom left is what? He's a beaver. What's a beaver known for? Being organized, building dams. Yeah. He pays attention to detail. The bottom right, well, the color is supposed to be white. And th- this is not me saying this, but this is what they teach, is that if phlegmatics really don't have a personality much. <laughs> I'm sorry to put it that way, but okay. So not so colorful, but a golden retriever. They're just happy-go-lucky, whatever happens, just go with the flow. So look at the, some of the attributes. Let's start again with the lion. Top left, choleric. The lion is a censor, entrepreneurial, adventurer. Now, just for fun, let's, let's read these. Um, we're going to need some confession, too, and if you don't confess, I'm going to call you on it. All right, so uh, they're a born leader. They're independent, self-sufficient, dynamic, active, objective, goal-setter, usually right. Amen. And all the choleric said? Amen. Amen. Uh, not easily discouraged, stimulating, confident, direct, aggressive, Self-confident, intuitive, inventive, rational, strong-willed, values achievement. Uh, let's go to the negative attributes. There aren't any. <laughs> and, and by the way, a phlegmatic would have never said that. Okay? So look at this. Uh, impatient, possessive, rash, proud, un feeling pretty good about yourself, unsympathetic, (laughs) bossy, uptight, has little need for friends, crafty, won't give up when losing, not complimentary, uses people, ignores details, bored by trivia, driven, opinionated, judgmental. There you have it. Okay, all the clerics, just kind of raise your hand here. Come on. Come on. You're a bunch of liars. I'll tell you what, there's a bunch out here. Okay, so look at the one to the right, sanguine. Here's the positive attributes. This could be you. Talkative, attractive, humorous, friendly, engaging, curious, emotional, cheerful, spontaneous, apologetic, 
You don't hold a grudge. You're sincere, artistic, visionary, fun-loving, inspirational. Opti- now, you may not have all of these, but you've got a good bunch of them. How many of them might be there? I'm not going to pull you out. Just put your hand up if you think that might be you. I see those hands. Bunch over here. Good, good. So you kind of recognize that. Let's go to the negative attributes just for fun. Uh, exaggerates. Talks too much. Uh, dwells on trivia. You're loud. Uh, naive. Interrupts. Won't listen. Wastes time. Forgets obligations. Makes excuses. Fickle. Egotistical. Phony. Dis- oh, man, I hate even reading it. Disorganized. Self-conscious. Eclectic. Craves except the sloppy. Sloppy. Now notice something real quick. Because the sanguine person doesn't pay attention to details. Do a crisscross now. So go down to the bottom left, crisscross. That's an orderly one. The yellow one is non-order. Are you following me? Let's do it with the choleric, the, the lion. Crisscross now. You can't crisscross because you can't be in control and be peaceful. And you can't be phlegmatic and be peaceful and be in charge. Are you with me? So they don't crisscross. You cannot go this way on this scale. You're dominant and you're subordinate. Okay, watch me here. Watch me. You got to go this way. You got to go in a square. Left to right, right to left, up or down. Okay? You can't crisscross because they don't match that way. That's why the, the, the uh, one that I showed you up here um, does not exact, exactly w- work. Now, a couple other things, because I know I'm rushing really fast. I'm giving you a lot of stuff this morning to help spawn some thinking in your heart. Look to the very top. There's a large word. It's extroversion. The higher you go to the top in these two categories, the more extroverted you are. Does that make sense? Now, think about it for a moment. Um, But the farther you go down to the bottom, what is that? Introversion. So the more quiet, the more internal, the more thought-provoking, uh, the more easygoing. Uh, the, so if you go down to the bottom, you're a more introverted person. Now, uh, look at, to the left and the right. And that's the reason I really like this, um, this format, because it takes several different aspects of personalities, puts them all together in different ways to make it easier to understand. So to the left, the farther you go to the left, the more organizational you are in your thinking and in your behavior. The more you go to the right, the more relational you are. Does that make sense? So now, um, let's just have a little fun. Let's see. Oh, man, it's 12 o'clock. Do we have five minutes? Okay, five minutes. Um, Pastor Ryan, bring your bride up here. Come on, hurry up. Come on, come on. Um, Andrea, would you mind doing this? Okay, come on, come on, come on. All right, come on. So here's your, here's your pastoral staff. Let's see who they are. Come on up here. Can you guys come on up? Come on up. Come on, guys. So stand right here. Okay, so um, uh, take a mic. Here we go. Got this mic on. Um, come on. Okay, so um, this is your pastoral staff. Come over here, buddy. So um, tell me, what is his dominant trait? We are, we actually were arguing in the pew if it's melancholy or choleric, so. <laughs> so you're already arguing. Yeah. Yes. So neither one of you are phlegmatic. No. <laughs> so how does that make your relationship at home? Fine. Yeah. Fine, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he said that as one of your pastors. What's your dominant, oh no, what, no, let's go here. 
What's his dominant? Uh, he's phlegmatic. He's phlegmatic. So he likes to keep the peace. And what is she? I don't know. What do you think you are? <laughs> true, true phlegmatism. He does not want to create an argument here. Pardon me. And you my, are dominant. My dominant is melancholy. Melancholy. And your secondary? Uh, choleric. Choleric. Ah. And what did you marry? The exact opposite. The exact opposite. Like he's, the, he's the this side and I'm this. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. And so how do you guys get along if you're both like choleric? I don't know. We're kind of the same person almost. So we just like the same things and good compromise, I guess. Yeah, compromise. Yeah, and I think I lean more towards sanguine. I have that choleric, but then I'm very feelings-based, so I just care how he feels, and then oh, it works. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of like the wedding game, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. So this guy, you got some melancholy in you? So how could you be a church administrator? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I gotta make. I, I think. In, I think in a lot of ways you have to adapt. To, yeah. to your environment that you're in, um, and I. I mean, I. I look at the melon. Okay, go ahead. He's a pleaser. Like so, that phlegmatic. He wants people to be happy, and he wants things to go well, and he wants it to be peaceful, and he wants there to be no conflict, and so he will do literally anything to ensure that that's the case. So that's what makes him a good administrator because he's going to identify those problems and make sure things are going smoothly before they happen. So how many of have known this guy long enough to know that that's him? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you can see how this plays out in your world, in your work, in your marriage. You just got to figure out who you are. Now, some of you, I'll warn you, some of you are not high on any part of the scale. So it's harder for you to figure out who you are. You say, well, I got all four of these. Well, you can't have all four of these. They'll be a schizophrenic. You can't, at least not a high. <laughs> you've, you've, you've got to understand there's a strength to it. A one to ten, your highest in your dominant might just be a seven. And that's okay. Remember, it's all good. You're just trying to figure out how God's made you because the beautiful thing as we come back to the scripture this morning did you realize you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made? Isn't it cool the way God made us? And by the way, we don't have time to deal with this, but maybe we'll, we will later on. I believe a lot of this plays into our spiritual gifts. God has gifted you spiritually to enjoy what you do. Have you ever noticed that? How would you like it if God made you to do something, but you hated doing it, but you were good at it? No, normally what you're good at, you like. That's a design of God. I believe. So anyway, I hope this has been a little helpful to you. We might revert to it once in a while. But understanding who we are as a church, what do I bring to the table is important. Uh, You can apply this to your work, to your marriage, to your home, to your children. And I'll tell you what, I went all the way through my master's program. I didn't have this stuff. It was after my master's program. I started picking up on this stuff, and it helped me in my marriage counseling. It helped me in my own marriage. It helped me as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a leader, to understand who I am. I think I'm a little easier to get along with than I used to be. Maybe. But you don't know because you didn't know me before. So that's your problem. (laughs) Hey, brother. Is that my problem? I love you guys. I don't need any problems right now. 
Would you like to lead us in a closing word of prayer? Uh, if you want me to, I can. Well, I don't. But... <laughs> He's already prayed a couple times a day. You want to do it? Yeah. Oh, look at that, huh? Yeah. God, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for the time that we get to come together and celebrate our moms today. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, um, you, would, you would go with us and that you would guide us and that you would keep us um, and that you would show us how to use our gifts and our talents and our personalities uh, for the benefit of the kingdom, God, that we would um, be open to anything that you might have for us, uh, any way that you might be asking us to serve or to pray for others or to lead. And God, uh, we're just so grateful for today. Uh, we're so thankful for who you are for us. Um, be with us today as we go. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.